On September 8th, 2015, the first episode of Set Lusting Bruce was released. To celebrate our anniversary month, I plan to put out a new episode every day this month. If you're not part of our Patreon group, please think about supporting the podcast by making a small monthly donation. Everyone who joins gets a personal thank you card from me and a Set Lusting Bruce sticker. During this month, I'd love to get some new reviews on iTunes and other podcast players. If you haven't rated the podcast before, please go to wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating, hopefully five star, and let people know why you love the podcast. Hope you enjoy this month of episodes. And now on to the show. I had lost a friend to suicide in 2018. And I was feeling called to speak up about my own journey. And I did survive an attempt when I was 27 and I never really talked about it to anybody. And so when my friend died, I, it really jolted me in a big way. If if I had been vocal or if I had spoken up, would it matter? And I didn't want to keep going that way. I wanted to do something about it. And so we were working on starting the the foundation as part of our as part of the event company as a give back team building mental health awareness kind of thing Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train tonight, though I'm sure he will come up as he normally does. And we're here talking about hope. And we're talking about scars and stars and finding hope. And Stina Mitchell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Sure. We were just talking. I grew up in Louisiana. And after college, I moved to Colorado. I've moved a lot because I worked in the hospitality industry. And I've had lots of opportunities for moving and traveling, which I'm very blessed for. But I've been in Colorado for almost 25 years. And I own, I worked for 30 years in events and hotels and then after COVID, everything changed, as did for many people. And so now I have a nonprofit, and I also am starting a new consulting business. So where'd you go to school? I went to school in Hammond, Louisiana, at um, Southwood Academy. Okay. And then I ended up going to Covington High School my last year and a half. When you went to college, did you, where'd you go? I came to Colorado State for okay. a year. And then I went back home and I went to Southeastern Louisiana for a couple of semesters because I had to bring my grades up from being in Colorado. Yes. And then I went to LSU and I got my architecture degree in 95. Okay. So very nice. I make the, one of my favorite jokes is one of the, when I moved to Dallas from uh, Lake Charles, I was confused that all these different college rivalries because in louisiana there's lsu 
<laughs> and then there's everything else, right? Half of LSU's fans didn't graduate from high school, much less from the college. And then I went to McNeese for a couple of years. There's obviously Tulane and there's other great schools, but it is LSU rules the roost. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. So talk about growing up in Louisiana. What kind of music was your family listening to? I remember, probably what I remember most when I was a kid was that my dad had this reel-to-reel stereo. And I remember at Christmas, he would always play Johnny Mathis Christmas music. And he would always play some of the 70s old kind of classic rock music. And so we listened to that a lot. And I'm going to stop and let you ask me my next question because I don't want to get ahead. No, no, you're good. You're rolling. Did When did you find your music? When, like for me... I graduated high school in 77, so mm-hmm. my AM radio, my clock radio, was my world to music, top 40 music. So how about you? What kind of music, once you started being able to listen to music separate than your parents, what were you listening to? I was a dancer growing up, and okay. so I started dancing when I was four, I think. Wow. And so I remember in high school having vinyl records of like flash dance and things that I would dance to in my room and dream about being a dancer one day. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of dance kind of music. And when flash dance came out, I thought that was like the best thing ever because it was all about dance and that didn't usually happen. Right. (laughs) Very cool. So how about as you continue to grow and college any particular music genre that you loved or just a little bit everything I think in high school I was a little addicted to Brian Adams it was the mid 80s sure Uh, or Cyndi Lauper like all the popular people Madonna and in college I don't know I, I listened to pretty much everything I absolutely listened to Bruce Springsteen I have never seen him in person in fact my first concert was Shauna do you remember him? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first concert. And I was in college. I don't remember how old I was, but probably 1920 mm-hmm. around there. And then after my first year at Colorado State, my parents sold the business, the house, the boat, my car. They sold everything and they bought an RV. And we went to 33 states and four provinces that summer. And it was right after the first Top Gun had come out. And my dad was, my dad has always been obsessed with airplanes. Okay. He wanted to be a fighter pilot, but he was colorblind. So he passed everything until that, and then he couldn't go. So my cousin had this brand new stereo system back then, and he recorded the whole movie on a cassette tape. And we listened to it in the motorhome (laughs) driving around the country many times. And so my dad would stop the tape and he's what's the next line. And so my brother and I had this top gun trivia summer. (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit now where you said you got your degree in architecture. Did I hear that correctly? 
You did. <laughs> so how did you get from architecture to the inter to the hospitality business? I started waiting tables when I was in college. And by yeah. the time I graduated, I was a manager and I managed several restaurants. And then I got into the hotel world and okay. that got me into events. And then I owned my own event company for 10 years before COVID. Yeah. COVID made a lot of changes, didn't it? Yeah. Were you happy doing that before COVID? Or did I was. COVID? Yeah. I, I was, I'm, I have days when I really miss it. And I have days where I'm thankful that things are the way they are. I spent many years working my life away and not really putting myself first or taking care of myself. And so that's really what I'm focusing on now is helping entrepreneurs learn that they can have a thriving business and take care of themselves at least part of the time. <laughs> so that's my new thing. Yeah. Dina, there. There is a a time and a season for everything, right? And there is that time where there is the crisis or a, a, a project that's going crazy where you're installing new software or you're putting in a new process or you're rolling out a new product or whatever it is. And yeah, you may have to go 75 miles an hour, but... You can't sustain that all the time or you will burn out, won't you? Yeah, it took me a long time. I had my first business at 14 and I danced, I played sports. I did a lot of things and I was always a very driven person. And I was in, I worked a lot for a very long time, for decades. And I thought that was normal. And it wasn't until I had to have surgery, I think in 2018, that I was forced to take time. Mm -hmm. I was in bed for two months and I, it really changed how I thought about things. It was also a time when I was thinking my parents are starting to get older and I really don't make time to go see them enough and all of those things. Sure. So it really did change it. And so I had made changes before the pandemic. And things were going really well. And my business was growing, even though I was delegating more and I was, I traveled a lot, but the event industry doesn't really have a normal schedule period. It's just, you might have a week where you don't have an event and you, you feel like a normal office day. And then you're on the road with a group five days straight or so it's, it, it is a very demanding industry in, in general, but I, I was finding ways to make it work and make it better. And then when COVID happened, I really, I really had a lot to process because I had lost a friend to suicide in 2018. And I was feeling called to speak up about my own journey. And I did survive an attempt when I was 27 and I never really talked about it to anybody. And so when my friend died, I, it really jolted me in a big way if if I had been vocal or if I had spoken up would it matter and I didn't want to keep going that way I wanted to do something about it and so we were working on starting the the foundation as part of our as part of the event company as a give back team building mental health awareness kind of thing 
And then when everything crashed, I just started it anyway. And I started trying to figure out what we were going to do. And so now we, we have done virtual events. We publish books with people's stories. We have a new podcast now, and we're just about to launch like a membership where we're going to have monthly online things where people can get together and have more of a community. So I'm excited about it. Good. I'm excited. I'm going to ask you more about that. But I Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. did have one. Did you always have that entrepreneurial gene? You said your first business at 14. Where do you think that came from? My mom started a nursery school when I was a year old because my dad wanted to go back to school and she didn't want to leave me with someone else. Okay. So from age one, my mom had her own business and then my dad had his own, has had several businesses. And so I think it was definitely growing up in that atmosphere And then I just always felt the need to prove myself all the time to everybody. So it just made me a very driven for results or accomplishments or whatever. Do you, have you done some self-examination on why you think you were that driven? I've thought a lot about it. And I wrote a book last year, which made me dive into some of that. And I think that 
not understanding for most of my life that I dealt with the depression and anxiety. I think that had a hand in some of it and how you, you just don't feel like you're enough or you don't feel like you fit in, even though I, like I said, I was always, I was a cheerleader. I was dancing. I played sports. I did everything, yeah. but I don't know if I was doing that to prove that I could, or I'm not really sure where that, that came from, but everybody else always thought I was good at everything I did, but I didn't always feel that way. And so I think that was part of my own mental health journey. Mm -hmm. Why talked a little bit about your own journey. You said that at 27, you, I assume tried to hurt yourself and Mm -hmm. what share with me, what you're comfortable sharing with. Sure. I'm pretty much open book. Okay. I was in a an unhealthy relationship at the time. And I again did not understand that I had depression. I didn't okay. that wasn't something I had ever been diagnosed with or ever been aware of. And I was working in the restaurant industry and alcohol was a big part of my life. And I was really upset one night and I was very, I had been drinking quite a bit. And so I took, I had, I think I had three bottles of migraine pills in my bathroom and I took them all. And the person I lived with at the time came home and found me and called 911 or I would not be sitting here. Mm. And when I, when I was at the hospital, my blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. Wow. So it was, it, it's a miracle that I'm here. I'm very thankful that I'm here. <laughs> sure. And I'm thankful for the experience because my purpose in life now is direct, directly related to that. And if I hadn't gone through that experience, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Did you do the work afterwards or did you just push it away? Yeah, I just pushed it away. I went to, I had a really good friend from college and I was in Phoenix at the time and she was living there as well. And her sister called me. They knew something was going on, but they didn't really know the whole story. And they were trying to get me to go out and do something with them because I had, our my relationship had ended and I they knew that I was sad, but they didn't know all of it. And so they're like, we're going to go to this place and see this tarot card reader and you should come with us. And I was like, I don't want to go. I don't believe in that. I don't want to go. They forced me. (laughs) And to make a long story short, I talked to the lady. I have no idea what she told me about my tarot cards, but she was, that was a side gig for her. And she was actually a licensed counselor and she gave me her card. And so weeks later, I called her and I went and saw her. I I think I saw her twice. I don't really remember much about it. I remember her telling me to burn sage in my apartment and to rearrange my furniture and to write all my thoughts down and burn the paper. That's what I remember. And so there was some time frame. I don't remember the time frame very well, but sometime after that, I know I was out partying and I was driving from one party to another party and I had been drinking. And the next thing I remember is waking up in my Jeep on the side of the road with the sun coming up 
and not knowing where I was. And that I was so scared that I had hurt somebody. And I my car wasn't wrecked or anything like that. I think I just pulled over and fell passed out. Sure. But that day I was off from work and I went home and I started doing those things she told me to do. And I think that was the start of me turning over a new leaf and saying, I'm going to do better. Everything didn't change right away, but it was a step. And I never really sought help or did anything else other than that until 23 years later when my friend died. Did, was there just a guilt or just, I had a bad day? Did you just tell yourself, oh, I just had a bad day or I had too much to drink? Or did you not want to open that can of worms as we say down South, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think that I didn't feel like it was okay to talk about it, especially as I'd been in management since my 20s. And so being a manager, executive, and then owning my own business, I just never felt like it was okay to talk about it because I never thought, you know, I was concerned about I would lose my job, I would lose my clients, I would, people wouldn't respect me, all of those things which isn't true. It was complete opposite when I finally spoke up. But I also think that back then, the the doctor gave me a note to make an appointment with somebody and he let me walk out of the hospital less than eight hours after I got there. That is another thing that I didn't know to be concerned about back then. And now it, it horrifies me that's happening But then they have the other extreme where they're Baker acting people and put them in a 72 hour psych hold and they don't belong there either. So I think there's this wide range of things that are happening in mental health that just need to get better. When I, I would ask, but you've made it very clear that the turning point in your journey was losing your friend. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about your friend. Let's honor her. And then when that happened, what did that do to you? It was a guy and it was somebody I had known and been friends with, but also worked with in the industry for almost 20 years. And he was, he had gotten married later in life and he had, I I had met his wife. I talked to her several times and they had a little girl and they were so excited And I would always see him at this show in Vegas we did every year. And so I saw him and he was visibly not okay. He was told me he was going through a divorce. He didn't want to talk about it right then. And so I'm like, let's go have dinner or something so we can chat. And I knew that he had struggles with alcohol as well. And So we were going to go have dinner that night. And then he texted me and said, I have to go to Topgolf with some clients. And he lived in Colorado, but not in the same place I did. And so there were months when we were trying to get together for lunch and we just never did. And the worst part was that I didn't, there was someone who texted me about 
the fact that he had died, but he has a name that is the same name as some a musician. And I net I did when I got the text, I didn't realize they were talking about him. And so it was probably a couple months after that, one of our form one of our mutual colleagues had called me about a client and we were having a conversation. And I said something about trying to get together with this person for lunch. And the guy on the phone, who was also a longtime friend of mine, got very quiet. And he was like, Tina, you don't know. And I was like, you don't even have to tell me. My heart sank. I knew. And I was beside myself. (laughs) And I just, I couldn't shake it for months. Because I just knew if we would have had lunch, I could have helped him. And I would have been honest with him about my own journey. But I didn't get that chance. Oops, you're muted. (laughs) Is that, was that a road to Damascus moment that you go, okay, I've got to do something different? Yeah. It changed a lot for me. It changed, it changed my priorities for sure. It changed at the time I had an office in Denver and we had a lot of homeless people around. And so I would say hi to homeless people every day on the street. And it, it really, I don't know. I was just emotional all the time because I knew there were so many people around me that needed help and that were struggling. And I was trying to figure out what to do about it. And I think my team of people who worked for me were like, what is going on, Dina? (laughs) But it was, it was just, it it became the priority in my head 24 seven. And it's, what do I do about this? I didn't know what to do about it. I had never even really been to therapy myself. Like I didn't know I'm like, I don't have a psychology degree. Do I need to go back to school? All of these thoughts. And I did not get a psychology degree. I just did a ton of research and I've talked to a lot of people. And through this journey, I get so many questions from people that it helped me know what is the information that's most important. Like, how do we start a conversation about suicide? How do we talk? And there's There's people who've been following me for a long time and then I'll get a call out of the blue and say, my grandson just got put in a psych ward. I don't even know what to say to him. And so now I feel much more educated to have those conversations. Um, And our mission is really to help people in the struggling stage before they get there. And that's our purpose is like, we're going to reduce suicide rates by the conversations and the community and the personal stories and finding people in the struggle stage before they get to ideation is I think the best approach because if we wait until they're there, even if they're still alive, they have this massive trauma to deal with. Why you've talked about a little bit, your COVID, the jobs changing and and you're getting a calling, but you want to do something. So talk about the your program and the what what would what did you what was the next step? What did you want to do? You're going, okay, how did you go through where you're gonna go the next step? 
I really didn't know. Okay. <laughs> and I did start going to therapy myself and trying to process a lot of things for myself. And what happened was, since I had spent so many years in events, but we did in-person, high-end, corporate incentive events. So right. that is still not happening the way it was before. And so I went to this virtual event that I saw an ad for on Facebook called the Virtual Event on Virtual Events. And I'm like, what is this about? Maybe it can help me save my business. And so I went to that event and I ended up signing up for their program for a year. And I was in in there with 160 people and they were all speakers, coaches. Some of them were event planners. And so it just opened my eyes to a whole world I didn't know existed. And it was all about enrollment events for coaches. And I was like, I don't really understand this. I don't know where I fit in all. I like, it took me, it's taken me three years to really figure it out. And so during that journey, I learned so much about what other people were doing in the coaching and consulting space and speaking space, because that had never been anything I had done. And so it was eye-opening to understand all of that and figure out how it fits with what I want to do next. And so part of the goal in that year was doing a three-day event for yourself. Okay. And like literally the last month of the program, I did a three-day event. We did a summit first with 15 speakers around overcoming adversity. And then I did a three-day event where I talked about my story publicly, which I had never done before. And I was petrified. And then we did another summit a few months later. And then we started talking about the books. We're like, why don't we take the stories from the summits, turn them into books? And so that's how the books came about. And, and now we're really finally getting to the community part, which I'm really excited about launching in August, where people can pay a small amount a month as a membership. And we can have these monthly informal events where people can meet each other and support each other. Um, because the people who've written in our books have that community and have that support system and have become friends, but we want to do it on a bigger scale. And what is the name of the foundation? It's called the Realize Foundation. And Realize Colorado was my former business. And so we had that name before. And the books and the podcast are both called Scars to Stars. And where did that title come from? Well, a song. Okay. Yay. <laughs> there is a song called Scars, and it is by a band called I Am They. Okay. And they're, they're a Christian band. And that song, I couldn't begin to count how many times I listened to that song during this transition time in my life and how much it meant to me. And so in January of 2020, I turned 50 and I got a tattoo on my arm that says, thankful for the scars. And that's how it started. And then I was brainstorming with some of those people in my group and we came up with scars to stars. I, I love that. The there There is a wonderful singer-songwriter here from Texas called Sarah Hickman. And and she has, uh, I'm making sure I have it exactly right, where- I feel like I've heard her name, but I'm not yeah, sure. And she has a line, woman waiting to happen is the song. 
And she says, it's no secret that I love you, but this is like a love I've never known. My mistakes brought me to the place where the flowers replace the thorns. Oh, that's awesome. And right, the the scars, we're ashamed of our scars sometimes when we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Right? I And I realize this is all, but I, I just... About a year ago, I watched Ordinary People for the first time in years because I was going to be on a podcast talking about it. And there's so much in that movie about we just need to move on, right? This is, we. why do you want to keep talking about this? Why do we move on? And sometimes we need to talk about it, don't we? Yes, we do. We and, really do. And I am not the biggest, I'm not a fan of, Dr. Phil whatsoever, but I do like his phrase, monsters live in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I do think that is a true statement that if we don't put the monsters that are in our mind or in our subconscious or our fears, and we don't bring them into that sunshine, they're going to own us. Yes. Yeah. For Uh, sure. (laughs) So talk a little bit about the book. You guys have this story, so you decide let's collect them. Yeah, so we have about 18 to 20 people write in each book, and they each okay. write a chapter about their own story. And it's basically now a 12-week course, basically, that people go through. So we ask for a donation of $350, um, and we do give scholarships, and there's an application on our website where anybody can apply to write their story. And we do have a publisher and an editor that work with us. And so the 12 weeks are really starting at the very beginning. Like, how do I pick what story to write? How do I get started? How do I know how long this is going to take me? All those questions. And then we get to, during the writing phase, we have weekly calls. So people can ask questions or say, I'm stuck here or there. And sometimes we just get off on conversations about all kinds of things And it really creates this bond between the people that are doing it. And then we get to when your drafts are due and we get to the editing phase. And then we start talking about, I do a one-on-one interview with each one of them. So we can take clips from everybody and make a video for the book launch event. So everybody can hear from them about their chapters. And then we get into kind of the marketing phase and how do we get advanced reviews? And we take them through that whole process. And both of our first books have been Amazon bestsellers. And we think we have a formula for that. So hopefully they will continue to be. Sometimes they're different categories. The first one was psychology of suicide, but the second one was sexual health recovery and grief and loss. So it just depends on the content um, of what's in each book. But we have stories about all kinds of things, about everything from trafficking to abuse to addiction to infertility. We've had all kinds of stories. And so the idea is that if someone picks up one of our books, they can find something that they can relate to. And they've been donated to jails and homeless shelters and libraries. And we want to do that on a bigger scale. But right now... It's just up to the people involved if they want to donate it in their city. Sure. And what's the name of the books? Scars to Stars. Okay, good. And I I will include the Amazon page in the show notes. Mm -hmm. What 
are, and this is such the generic question, but I think it's an important one. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about suicide? I think the biggest one for me is that people think it is selfish. And I do understand why people feel that way. But what the people who feel that way don't understand is that there are a lot of times people don't think they have a choice. They are so, they are in such pain that no one can see. It's not, it's not a thing where you're like, I'm going to take myself out because I don't want to be around any of you. It's really more about stopping pain. And that can come in a lot of different forms. It can come from abuse and trauma that you can't get away from. It can come from addiction. I got a call today that someone passed and they were addicted to heroin and meth. And when you've been doing that for a while, you don't, it's really hard to come back from that. And I think he would have lived except he had lost too much blood. He had cut his wrist and he had lost mm -hmm. too much blood and, and he was already not healthy because of the drugs. And so sometimes it's a situation where I just want the pain to stop. And it's, and I think that's where I was when I made that decision. I didn't have a plan. It was a split second decision for me. And I think it's different for different people and different reasons. But it's, I think that people also feel like they're not enough for some reason. There's something going on with them where they think people would be better off without them. So it, for me, when somebody says it's selfish, it's, that hurts my heart so bad because right. it's, that's not how they're seeing it when they make a decision like that. Yeah, I can imagine. And I understand the thought, but you're right. If you're in that place where you feel like there's no hope and that you just want the pain to go away, it is one of the things that is, I was diagnosed in a few years ago for colon cancer. And luckily they caught it early, had surgery. I went through chemo. I'm perfectly fine now. But as you're fighting this cancer and going to chemo, and it was every every three weeks going to get the chemo, two weeks of pills, my wife and son are like, you need to be a little more selfish. This is you. On a side note, it is also so hard on the family because- <laughs> Some people think to check on them, but a lot of people don't. They're all worried about the person who has cancer, right? Yeah. And so when you are in that dark place, it's hard to think things are going to get better, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. So besides bringing the stories and awareness, what else are you guys, what is the foundation trying to do? We have, you mentioned hope. And yeah. it sounds like you might have a scars to stars story, Jesse. Yeah, okay. But we have what we call the hope course. And it's just four short videos on our homepage of our website. And the H is for how do we talk about it? 
How do we start the conversation? And there is data from a lot of different areas that if you ask someone if they are suicidal, you are not planting an idea in their head. They either are or they aren't. And so even if it's a teen, it's okay to ask that question. And it's good to ask that question because if they are, they might lie to you, but at least they'll know someone is on to them and they might open up and talk about it. So that's the first one. And then O is for owning self-care and how do we take better care of ourselves? And um, P is protect your mind. And that's all about who are you spending the most time with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who lift you up or tear you down? And E is enjoy the little things. And it's all about gratitude. And so that is on our website as a video. And it's also the first four episodes of our podcast. So people can listen to that. And I think with the new membership that we're about to launch with the bigger and better community aspect of it is really rounding out our mission. So I'm really excited about what's to come. And I think we've done a lot of really good work and we've reached a lot of people, but we need to reach more. And so I'm hoping that the membership will help us draw more people, help us get the word out more, help us to um, figure out a way to get our books in more places where people need them. But it's been humbling. Yeah, I can imagine. What's... Besides the expansion, you want to build this community, obviously going to do more books. Why did you decide to do a podcast? It's funny because in 2020, I actually started a, for another for-profit business that I've been put on hold until recently. Okay. And I always said I was going to do a podcast for that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I was being interviewed last year by a lady. Her name is Michelle Abraham, and she owns a Amplify You podcasting services business. Okay. And she was interviewing me about my for-profit business. And at the end, we got off the recording and she said, Dina, I want to take all your interviews on your YouTube channel and make them a podcast. And I was elated. Sure. So grateful because I knew that I didn't have the time or the expertise or the money to make that happen. But I knew that our message would reach so many more people. And so we started that. So I basically just give them the recordings and I write the show notes and they do everything else. And it's been a blessing. And tomorrow will be episode 22 and 23. That's awesome. That's great. I will include a link to where you can get the podcast. I'm sure it's available everywhere. Podcaster there. I did want to, you mentioned a little bit that you have discovered a new musician that's speaking to your heart. Tell me a little bit about that. Her name is Lauren Daigle and she is also from Louisiana and she's an LSU fan. So she has my heart already. But she sang a song that most people probably have heard somewhere called You Say. And it she won a Grammy for it a few years ago. And I just happened to hear that on the radio and I really liked it. And I didn't really think about who it was or anything. But then she also recorded a song a few years ago called Rescue. And it was for 
I think the message behind it is about trafficking, but it is to someone who struggles with mental health issues. It is, it's just amazing. It's amazing song. And I have a playlist of those two songs and the scars song and a few others that when you're having a bad morning, I just put that on and you can lay in bed and cry if you want. And then it's better. And so she just came out with a new album and my husband and I were watching her concert on YouTube or wherever we saw it. And she's just, she's such a talented person and she's such a compassionate person and she's a Cajun. (laughs) There you go. What else is on that playlist? What is another um, song that you go to 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 keep you focused and keep you joy in your heart? I would have to say, oh man, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it. I could say it too okay. if you don't want me to do that. Word of God Speak. Okay. That is another one that's on that playlist. Is, um, your, fa- is your faith important to you? Very. Has it always been? Or is this... I, I grew up in the church and I always believed in God, but I was far away from him for a long time. Okay. And after my suicide attempt, my dad wrote me a letter and he put a a little metal cross in there. And it really got me to start reading the Bible again. And things have changed. And then when I got married almost 20 years ago, my faith got even stronger because my husband's faith was stronger than mine. And I think that there's, I think there, I believe there's a plan for all of us that's bigger than we can imagine. And that he is in control and I am not. There are sometimes I went through a dark time. I spent nine months unemployed, had, reached the heights of my job, new guy came in, decided they didn't need me, laid me off after almost 14 years with the company and took nine months to find a job. And, And I had a lot of questions of faith. And, mm-hmm. and I off, I do say this, that I do feel that it is easy to have faith when things are going well. It is tougher when things are going bad to have that faith that, that there's a plan. And in, so I hear what you're saying, and I, I appreciate that. I did want to say, though, in our emails back and forth, you mentioned, I often joke that I am in a mixed marriage. I am in, I do all kinds of podcasting and science fiction, and my wife is out training for a half marathon. You mentioned you're a mixed marriage as well. Tell me what you meant. Yeah, my husband is African-American and we worked at a hotel together and met about 20, 22 years ago almost. Yeah. And I had been engaged twice before that. And I was so glad that I did not get married to either one of those people because when I met him, I knew that he was the right person. And it was being from the South My family wasn't very happy at first. They absolutely love him now, but it took a while. And I can't imagine my life without him. That's nice. And he's been with you during this journey? Yeah. I mean, I met him at, I met, we got married when I was 34. So it was after 
I went through a lot of that stuff, but it, it, I've been open with him about it more than anyone else, even though he still didn't know the whole story because I just didn't talk about it. But yes, he's super supportive and I couldn't ask for anybody better. And I do want to say something because you said it's harder to believe when it's hard. And what I have learned through this journey is that when it's hard, it's usually because I am the one turning my back. And I think that sometimes I have this daily devotional called Jesus Calling that my husband put in my stocking for Christmas, maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. It changed my life totally changed my life because I thought I had a relationship with Jesus, but I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And when I started reading that book every day, things changed for me. And now if I'm having a bad day, it's usually because I didn't read it. I didn't say my prayers that morning. I, and I find for me, that is the, is what happens. If I don't take the time in the morning to acknowledge that and pray for whatever it is, then I have a harder time during my day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get you out of here in a minute. This has been so fascinating and I appreciate you so much sharing your stories, but if someone is struggling, (laughs) what's your advice? First of all, I want to make sure everyone knows the hotline for suicide help is 988. And it's funny because it's been a year since they came out with that number instead of the 10 digit number. And I saw an article the other day from Google Alerts saying that it's been a year and so many people don't know that number. And I see even websites of people who are trying to make awareness around mental health and suicide, and they still have the old number on their website. And so 988, just like 911, but 988 is what you should call. You can also text that number if you are are having a struggle. Um, And I'm not at a place where we have the staff to answer the phone all the time, but I'm always here if somebody wants to talk and you can email me through our website or contact me. Um, I'm always happy to talk to people about anything. But I also think that really listening to that hope course, it'll take you less than 20 minutes, but it will give you some ideas about how you can get yourself in a better place if you're surrounding yourself by people who are a bad influence or tearing you down and how to use gratitude practices and really elevate your mind in a way that will protect you. Um, and none of that is going to fix everything, but it will help, especially in a moment that is, is tough. The other thing we do is we're an affiliate for Cope Notes, C-O-P-E Notes, and it's just copenotes.com. It's a guy named Johnny Crowder started it. He has a, an amazing story himself, but it's a texting service and it gives you it interrupts your day because it always comes at a different time. And it also is a message of either a be kind to yourself kind of message, or it might be some kind of brain science message or something that makes you think differently about something. And it is 
it's amazing. And we definitely promote that. And our link is on the website under resources, if anybody's interested in that. The other thing that helps me personally is puzzles. I love puzzles. And so we have a, we have a link on our website under resources where you can do online puzzles that have positive messages on them. That's nice. (laughs) The other thing I always like to tell people is it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help, is it? No, it's a sign of strength. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, I'm talking so much about Sarah tonight. There is Chuck Brodsky wrote a song called We Are Each Other's Angels and she did a cover of it. And it is, we are each other's angel and we meet when it is time. We keep each other going and we show each other signs. And I think it goes on. Sometimes you'll stumble. Sometimes you'll fall, lie down. Sometimes you'll get lonely with all those people around. And the reality is there is help if you ask. And we, you're Mm -hmm. important. Yes. No matter if you think you aren't you. Yes. Everyone matters. Yeah. Everyone matters. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? I just always talk about kindness and how people could just be kind and empathetic that we would be all have a better world to live in. Yeah. I think that is one of my, in fact, I end every, during COVID, I said, wash your hands, remember social distance, get vaccinated. I ended all that. Since then I've ended be safe and be kind because I do think there is a lack of kindness currently in the world. Politically, there is a lot of strife and there is a lack of kindness to someone who disagrees with you that is very sad. And when one of the things this little podcast is trying to do is put out a little bride of sunshine and happiness in the world because we need it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Did you know, I think it was Kevin Hines, if I remember correctly, he's the one who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived. Okay. And he says, if one person would ask me if I was okay, I wouldn't have done it. When you think about that, just saying hello or opening a door for somebody could change everything for them. Yeah, it truly can. And and I'm not there. This is a complicated subject. And you have a foundation that is dedicated to it. And there is a lot of people dedicated to that. And so I know it is more complicated than just being nice to each other. But Mm -hmm. that's a start. And to show a little grace to each other. Very nice. All right. Dina, this was so much fun. I know it was. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I just love this. I appreciate it. I'm going to give, I'll include the notes all in the show, in my show notes. So everyone, please go check out the website, check out the podcast. But before I get you out of here, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a writer. He is a former high school English teacher. And when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. 
and they would read them. They would talk about the themes that Bruce explores in the song. They would talk about the imagery he painted. And then at the end of the class, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? Dina, you did tell me you did your homework. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? It doesn't say she does. That's exactly right. It implies that she's invited in, but it doesn't say that she got in the car. So I can't say for sure that she did. What do you think? I don't know. I think just listening to the song, you assume that. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't like to assume things very often. Uh, there is. Um, you are in a very um, small but smart minority that a couple of people say the whole purpose of the song is you don't know. Mm -hmm. That it leaves it vague on purpose. So very good answer. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you so much. Um, let us be kind to each other. Let's give each other grace. And I'm going to end with, so I'm thankful for the scars, because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. I know you'll always tell of who you are, so forever I am thankful for the scars. That I'm standing in confidence with the strength of your faithfulness, and I'm not who I was before, so no, I don't have to fear anymore. Thank you, no. Dina. Thank, Thank you. you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.